And uh, welcome, everyone, to Swing Thoughts. Just like the PGA Tour, uh, this is kind of the beginning of our off-season. Although, unlike the PGA Tour, their off-season is like two weeks long. Um, what am I trying to say? Uh, it's Howard. It's Tim. You know us. Humble and Fred. Tim O'Connor. You know, the golf guy. And um, brought to you by TaylorMade, Adidas, Bushnell. Um... We're not going away. We're just not going to be on TSN again until the following spring. In fact, I uh, sent a note to our our guys there and said, how about we start up the weekend of the Masters? What do you think of that? Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. It's, it's kind of when people in this great northern climb think about the golf season when it starts. So uh, Tim O'Connor's there. This is Howard. We're here. We're back just to doing the podcast. There's not going to be any... 25-minute breaks, etc. We're just going to hang out, talk a little golf with you kids now that um, September is here. You know, I always forget how September is really one of the the best months, September into October, before it gets cold. The best months to play golf in this country. Well, certainly in this part of the country. Oh, awesome. Yesterday I was with the golf team, the University of Guelph golf team, which I coach, at St. Thomas amazing golf course and it was a beautiful day oh there's a lot of times i was just sitting on a bench talking with our friend mike martz and it, the sun was shining down it was gorgeous yeah i love that golf course i played the uh, early bird there and it's a that's a stanley thompson design it's a very difficult golf course but it is absolutely even when you're playing it well you get to the last well 15 okay but 16 and 18 are just i don't I don't know that I've ever parred both of those in the same round. Oh, they're hard. Hard. It was interesting. After the tournament, Jim Waite, who um, he's the Western men's head coach, the first thing he said was, don't beat the crap out of yourself, everyone, for <laughs> shooting right. high scores. This is a very <clears throat> difficult golf course. Um, and it, I think the key thing, it's somewhat like cutting fields, is that the greens oh, are yeah. just diabolical. Yep. There was... On the 12th green yesterday, we were watching these poor young men and women grappling with... Oh, oh the par five. That 12th green. Unbelievable. Yeah. Just, this kid had a two-foot putt above the hole, and I just said to my assistant coach, I said, be afraid. Be very oh, afraid. Because yeah. if he misses that thing, it goes that two-foot putt becomes like a 14-footer coming back. Well, and that's it. The funny thing is for... For better players, especially those players at the college level, it's a short, short par five. They're all going to have irons into that green. The problem is it's got so much slope from from back to front and left to right that if you're in the wrong, you, you can get to the green in two quite easily, but you, you don't, yeah. you're not always going to make par. But you leave with bogey. Yeah, I was going to say, even the easy holes at St. Thomas are tough. Yes. And then the tough holes are ridiculous. Like I said, I've had some... Decent rounds going there in the early bird, and then got to the last three holes and just you know blown up. But um, welcome everyone. It's uh, September, and uh, we thank our friends from TaylorMade. Uh, great summer of some uh, giveaways. Adidas, of course. Did you order any uh, fall clothing? Um, uh, I, a couple pieces. Um, yeah. I just finished ordering all kinds of stuff for the golf team, and they're all ecstatic about their adidas togs um they love them so yeah for you people who don't um have uh, access to uh this zoom record like because i i'm in my studio tim's in his house 
I'm looking at Tim and his new uh, <laughs> his new his new glasses. It's quite something, really. I'm quite fetching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're very fetching this morning, aren't you? Fetching, yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, it's really interesting. Instead of the usual <laughs> deal of going to my um, standard, you know, the, the lady who makes me look at the eye chart and then, you know, gives me the prescription and then I just go and talk to the ladies there and get new frames. Uh, I went to a woman who specializes in uh, eyewear. You know, this isn't just a pair of glasses. This is eyewear. Yeah. This is like making a statement and things like that. So, yeah, um, yeah without going too much longer on this, uh, it was like a real kind of like stepping out of my comfort zone thing. Yeah, when I first and, and when you first came on the screen this morning, I said, are you doing your tribute to Mo Green? And that's a uh, Godfather reference. Go look it up. Because he's got, they're very square frames and they're very retro, is what they are. You've uh, stumbled upon being hip without even knowing it. So congratulations. Well, that that would be me stumbling <laughs> upon something that might be cool or might be okay. Um, <laughs> uh, we got a bunch of stuff to break down, to to talk about, analyze, analyze, debrief. Um, yeah, I'm not the sure Canadian where to, seniors experience. I said I'm not sure where to start. Just relax, okay? Okay, you know, this isn't the Guelph team where you just order people around at your willy nilly whim, okay? All right, oh, okay. One, let's let the thing breathe. All right, brother. Well, I forgot uh, you're the traffic. You're the traffic cop of this. Uh... Yeah, you just relax. You're not running the practice. Um, <laughs> I wanted to uh, see if there was anything in the uh, world of golf in the in the because I mentioned off the top the PGA Tour takes. Approximately two weeks off. The tour championship ended. Uh, Rory won. I think we've done a show since then, but mm-hmm. I don't think. And I was struck by this notion last evening that professional golf is unique in a lot of ways. But one of the things that makes it unique in the world of professional sports is just how long the season is. They really, other than a couple of weeks between the, you know, the 18 and 19 season, which ended three weeks ago now, and this new season, so there's a bit of a break, and then there's a bit of a break at the holiday season, but they have 48 weeks scheduled of tournaments. Mm. I mean, that really is a lot. I mean, I know baseball plays 162 games, hockey and basketball 80 or so, but like it's a long time. It is. And yeah. a lot of tournaments to, it really is something else. I mean, what are your thoughts about it? you think the season's too long? Because when you and I were kids, they stopped golfing. Nicholas put his uh, clubs away and, you know, took a few months off. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I do think as a, as a golf fan, my interest wanes this time of year. I have, you know, except for the golf world email that I get every day, I wouldn't know what was going on and I hardly care. But I think the key piece here is that professional golfers are independent contractors. And the PGA Tour is basically making uh, a way for them to uh, earn their living because they're not employees. You, you, you play for the Toronto Blue Jays or the Boston Red Sox or the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, that's your employer. And uh, they pay you to play, and you make your money from that. Yeah, you make money sponsorships. But in golf, the overwhelming majority of tour players, they need to to make a living, and that's what the tour is doing. Um, They work with them. They want them to provide as much opportunity for them to make money 
And so I think it basically comes down to a, a business case. And it also keeps all of the other things happening. It allows the manufacturers a place to display their wares and their logos, uh, the Golf Channel, all the other so I think it's largely the business drives this great long schedule. I, you know, Sandy and I really should have a talk because you're just not that great at the yes and no, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Sandy's Tim's wife. Uh, Tim. That was a long answer you're inferring. Well, we, all, we understand what employer means. You didn't have to give that example. That was funny to me. Um, but I thought it was interesting. It is. It was interesting. So you know, I said it. The 126th player on the PGA Tour loses his job. You get conditional status and you can go to the Corn Ferry Finals. But I find golf interesting in that if you're the 126th best baseball player or hockey player or basketball player, you're also, you're, you have, a, as you said, you have a guaranteed employment contract. And even if you don't play, you make millions of dollars. What I love about golf is that if you're the 126th player, you might even be the 126th ranked player in the world, and you have no job, which is the best. That's right. And you got a money qualify and all, all that, that stuff. stuff. So as far as interest in the game at this time of the year, you know, I watch it because I'm obsessed with the game, but also I like seeing the younger guys, the Victor Hovlins and this oh, yeah. Joaquin Neiman Newman, I like seeing how those guys are going to do when the stars are away from the game. Because this time of the year, I watched a little bit of the coverage last night when I came home. And this time of the year, it really is like a, it's not the end. It would be like if the NHL had a season where not all the stars played. Yeah. yeah. They're still NHLers, but like the regular guys aren't really playing much, you know? Yeah, kind of the guys on uh, the, the third and fourth line. We're out there playing with maybe guys from the Marlies. No, exactly. That's exactly it. It's like if the second, third, maybe a couple, maybe one or two guys from the top lines, but mostly it's the Marlies and guys that just made the team. But boy, there's some talented kids out there, man. Just oh, absolutely. Interesting discussion I had with uh, a couple of the coaches yesterday. So we parked because at St. Thomas, as you know. Um, the kind of the intersection of number 12 T I think it's tw well 12 green um 12 T I think you got the 11th T is right there and the 10th and T is also right there no the 10th T is the par 3 11 is the par 4 right and around then the, and the 12 comes back yeah and then the 13th T they're all T so right. all the coaches because you can see so much there most of the coaches park themselves there um and watch groups go through and what we were a couple of us were talking about is that what separates you know amateurs from pros particularly pga tour pros is that it not all the time but a lot of the time pga tour pros are dealing with greens like number 12 yes at st thomas like i said not all the time there's still the exception um but they don't it's not carnage when, when they go through they know how to navigate their way through so what's amazing, just to your point, is just how good these guys are. And, what's and, and not if I, if I may just interject quickly, yeah. not only how good they are, but how many guys that you've never, ever heard of or wouldn't pay attention to, like the Adam Longs and the Richie Wernetskis or whatever, how good even the obscure guys are. 
how well they can navigate their way through the extreme difficulty of a whole like, yeah, number 12 at, at, um, at St. Thomas. They figure out a way to do it. It takes an incredible amount of skill. And yet, for a lot of those guys, they're scraping through life as a tour player. That's a tough road. Even on the Corn Ferry tour, web.com, however, I still find it really weird to say that name. Of yeah, because I, I, I have absolutely no idea <laughs> what what the people at Corn Ferry are up to. I just... Yeah, I know. What do they I do? I suspect... I suspect it's something to do with something. I'm not really that interested. <laughs> yeah, All I know exactly. is I'm sure it's run by a lot of white people. Yeah, exactly. Old white people go, hey, golf is cool. Let I me just say this few, about Todd. I get to play a few pro-amps. No, it, it, anyways, the point is, it's just that it's so, so hard. And these guys are trying to scrape a living doing this thing? That the, the is The difference a hard... between a, a very good amateur, a scratch player, a plus handicap, and a tour pro is, we'll take that green. Again, I'm, it's, we're not describing it very well, but just know this. It's a very difficult green. It's not a very long hole. <clears throat> it's the kind of hole you get on the tee and expect to have a chance at birdie, and oftentimes you're trying to make bogey because... Anyway, the difference between really good players and tour players is when they get to that a hole like that, they're not trying to hit the green. They're not trying no. to they're trying to hit a quadrant of the green. You know, they know that the thing that I, and I watched this last night, they really have a swing for 131 yards. And I can tell you as a uh, as an amateur professional, uh, I don't. You know, I have a I have a vague idea. In fact, one of the things I want to work on for next year and next year starts today, Tim. I'll explain that in a second. But uh-huh. one of the things I really need to do, and I did this a couple summers ago, and I've never fall, I didn't go back and start. But a couple years ago, I had uh, three wedges: my gap, my my lob, and my pitching wedge. I had I had distances written on all three of them for three different types of swings for each one of them. Now those pros have a hundred and thirty-one yard swing to a quadrant on that green. And that's the difference between even elite university competitors and those guys is that the the university kids just aren't good enough to hit the quadrant of that green every time. Occasionally they can, but that's why pros can navigate those greens because they leave themselves in spots where a putt is possible. Whereas the rest of us, especially if you mishit it on that, you can be in a world of trouble just slightly mishitting a shot on that green, and that's a perfect example. Yeah, well, I think also something I was thinking about actually this morning was uh, revisiting um, a thought I had a, a little while ago. I remember talking to a client or somebody, and I said that what the best players in the world are able to do is that they're great at scoring, mm-hmm. and they they just can play tournaments well. They are good tournament players. And the key piece is is that they're, they, it doesn't necessarily mean they are the best ball strikers. Generally, yeah, they're very good at hitting the little white ball. But they know how to score. They know how to deal with the ups and downs, the pressure of a tournament, how to prepare, how to deal with, with the things that, when things go wrong, how to not get too high when they go really well. Um, so if they make – so anyways, the point I want to get down to was that they make really good decisions – Mm-hmm. Just like you said, they just don't. What young players do, particularly, they get the range finder, they get the number, and it's like, okay, stock, whatever. They just pull the club. 
and they go, oh, that's how far it is to the pin. As opposed to, say, on 12, you cannot fire at that pin. You are best to be short and left. And You're so better off in that hole to be off the green short and left than on the green long and right. Or, or, or yeah, you know, sure. If, if, you, that you pin, if that pin yeah. is back left, you can be on the right-hand side. But any other part of that green, you've got no chance. So, so players with a lot of experience draw on that skill of good decision-making generally from a state of kind of emotional neutrality, not to, oh, God, to do this, or, oh, God, you know, I'm resigned to this or something. And they make really good decisions. Um, I played a tournament yesterday, the uh, final provincial tournament of the 2019 season. Mm, on uh, finality. Yeah, it was a little bit uh, bittersweet, like I was looking forward to it because, uh, well, I'll tell you why later. But, and you're you know, hoping to play better. What's that? You were hoping to play better. No, nope, I played fine. No, oh, okay. I, when it, when it was over, I was kind of like, oh, well, there because it was sort it sort of bookends. Ironically, yeah. it bookends the season for me. The very first event I played in was the Ontario Better Ball with our boy Charles. I uh, didn't. We we qualified for it. He and I did a, a qualifier in the first week of May, and then I had sort of tore my rotator cuff and I couldn't oh, play. Oh yeah, it. yeah, but. So that's the beginning of the GAO sort of provincial golf season. And yesterday is the senior better ball with my man Tim Southcott. And uh, we, when, we, when it was finished, I was like, you know, we played fine. You know, it's funny. The, uh, the reason I brought it up was I was just going to mention the greens. But I'll, I'll, I'll do a little debrief in a second. But the greens at Brampton, which is a course we played on, yeah. they, they just, they're, they're great greens every day. But for this event, they really get them rolling. And I gotta, one of the things I wanted to remark on is in terms of tour players, and the reason you see them sink so many 8, 10, and 12-footers is precisely what we all said yesterday. When greens are rolling that smoothly and that fast, better players love it. Like, yeah. I, I sank more putts yesterday in that medium range like because and i had one in particular as soon as i hit it i knew it was in it was 15 feet but i could just tell it wasn't going to move and uh like like i could and i said to timmy my buddy i said man if we played here every day just you just would sink acres because you'd start to get used to it you start to like it's it, it is weird because at first when you're on fast screens it's unnerving, but when you sort of get into it you realize a thirty footer you only have to hit it like a six footer or an eight footer you know what I mean, and so you instead of hitting it you sort of stroke it, and uh, yeah we we putted nicely I I made three birdies and a few bogeys and our you know and we finished I think sixteenth we were even par five under wins it. Actually went to a playoff, and we would we both made we both made uh, we made six birdies between the two of us. We just nice. made bogeys on the same fucking hole a couple of times, you know. And we're it was off just to like, ascend. yeah. We, oh, that's right. We're on. We can swear now. But yeah, it was like uh, anyway. That was all about how much I would love to play greens like that every day. The St. Thomas greens are like that. I find St. Thomas greens, as you mentioned off the top. Very diabolical. They're just tough. There are a lot oh, of yeah. there are a lot of it's a lot of crowning and a lot of a lot of break in those putts. Yeah, it's it's it, and it's really interesting the way the the best players respond. So my number one ranked player's name is Josiah Dixon. I mean, he won the Willie Park a few years ago. 
He's won he won the national college championship, the Ontario College Championship, and now he's in university. But he had a very interesting play on eighteen. He was on the fringe and he was and he was on the right side of it. The pin's kind of back left. So yep. it's on a big slope. Oh, it's very tough green too. And I was standing there with with uh with his with his golf professional and Generally, when you're on the fringe or you can get the putter, most people would say, well, putt it. Yeah. Well, he he uh, he gets his wedge out. And I said, why is he hitting a wedge? And anyways, he knocks it. So he hits it with a little bit of spin on it, and it goes up and just this big kind of U and ends up six inches away. And I just looked at the guy beside me and said, oh, I guess that's why. <laughs> well, yes, Joe. I said, said, uh, wow, that was an interesting play, man. What did you do there? He says, I wanted to hit with a bit of check because it wouldn't – because to get the putt it, you'd have to hit it with more pace. Yeah. And like, wow, what a – that's a lot of skill and experience yeah. he's drawing on there. And um, and no fear. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he's also a plus three. So, anyways, um, that's the type of stuff it takes to navigate your way through really tough courses. And that's why this game is – so so difficult you have to draw on all this experience and creativity and different ways to do things as opposed to just here's the shot and i hit it it, it, it doesn't mean you have to take all day to play it but you do need to consider what you're doing you know one last thing about fast greens and i and i think people see this on television all the time you know they see tour players you know make a nice pitch and the announcer will say well that's pretty good you know and it's sort of four to five or six feet away. And it, and it struck me once a while ago, I'm like, well, the reason they don't, they're not trying to hit, obviously they want to hit it to a foot, but they're fine with hitting it to four and five and three and six feet because they're like tap-ins on the PGA Tour. They really are. I'm, maybe not a six-footer, but they're six, you know, their percentage of sinking, I think six feet and under, it's huge. It's 85 or 90% because it's like a tap-in. You know, right. even yesterday, I noticed that with some of the, the up and downs that I, I got is that I, you know, I, I wasn't, there's not so much pressure to get it close because you know that three and four feet isn't really, you know, where is that? And I played a great golf course, Glenn Karen. But the night before, you know, and, and again, Timmy and I were talking about this, you know, short putts are harder because you have to hit them with more pace. Right. And, you know, if you're not, if you don't get it to three or four feet, it's a tough up and down because you're not making a lot of you're not making as many six footers. There's more variance in the in the agronomy, let's say. And, and then again, as I was watching some coverage last night when I came home, I'm like, yeah, those guys they're trying to get it close, but they're cool if it's four feet because they know that those are just basically gimmies for them. Yep, absolutely. So um, O'Connor's got uh, he's got. Um, the Griffins, your that's your fall focus. Uh, you guys, is, are you right in the middle of your schedule now? You, you have some tournaments. Yeah, yeah. we're uh, you know, first half, I guess. Um, we've already played three tournaments. How'd you do at St. Thomas? Our men won. Your men won. Our men won that won it. Uh, uh, how many they, teams? Uh, sorry. How many teams? Oh gosh, um, eight, nine, nice. maybe. Yeah. So. Uh, and, and as Guelph people love to do, we be Western. I was going to say, so Chucky, so Chucky's not on the team anymore, huh? No, no, but he was there. He coaches the women. So uh, I saw him so a couple fun. times out on the course, and I said, so how is this for you? He goes, way harder than playing. 
yeah, I bet. <laughs> he just he just wished he could play so badly. Um, <laughs> for those, it's funny. So Charles is. Yeah, it's finally Charles time he, for Charles to retire. Yeah, well, he's like, yeah, exactly. Well, what is he? Thirty-two years old. Yeah, you know, but you know, he, there he is. He's, um, you know, for those who may not know our good friend Charles Fitzsimmons, he's um, he's working on getting his PhD in sports psychology. It's starting to wind down, getting it to get. And he he, he told us that he would just go out. He, he's the Canadian national individual champ, so that's a pretty way, good way to hang it up. But uh, didn't he also no, he was, win the Mid Am as well this year? Or did he, did he come second in the mid-am? I thought he won the Ontario mid-am. Yeah, yeah, he won the Ontario mid-am. He also won a uh, tournament in Scotland. If you look yeah. him up, he's currently the 2,000th ranked amateur in the world, which is funny to me. Yeah, but no, anyways, it was, it was good to see him. And uh, and why are we talking about him again? I forget. Uh, I was uh, asking you who won yesterday, and you said you guys beat oh, Western. Yeah, so we beat Western, <laughs> and that was great. We won, beat him by eight strokes. Um, um, this is why. actually... And this is why we're old guys. You got to keep me on That's track right. here. Uh, but we've had a pretty good start of the season. We played three tournaments, and our record is we were second in our first tournament, tied for first in our second, and we won our third outright. Very good. So, so it's going uh, it's going really well. Uh, well, as I say, my season ended yesterday. Uh, Tim and I finished. I just looked now. I think we were tied for 16th. We were even par, but we were one shot out of a top 10. Top 10 was one under. And as I say, uh, the guys that went to a playoff were five under. Um, that, that course must have been playing. That seems like a higher scores for that kind of event, doesn't it? Or there's like, and there's. I'm, I'm looking right now. I was surprised how many teams played. I uh, I didn't realize there was that many teams, but there were sixty two. So there was a, some people finished in sixty second place. So there's a lot of people playing yesterday. And you uh, well, you know, it's. That's I don't know if it's does that you thought it would be lower I, yeah it's it's always yeah, I don't the same know. you see you got two guys going and yeah but two guys going and you you know it's it's not a scramble yeah no that's for sure no it's <laughs> not a scramble although but... although that's my new favorite thing to say on the uh, the tee that's I I've came up with that to uh, break the ice on the tee. Uh, maybe we can segue into the Canadian seniors but that's now <laughs> whenever we get on the tee I go so is this a scramble are we. And we, what's the format? Is it scramble? Anyway, the old guys love yeah, that shit. Because everyone, yeah, you know, how many times do you ever go to some company, you know, hit and giggle event and go, it's a better ball? No, it's not. It's a scramble. So uh, I don't know. I, I it's I've been playing in this thing for years. It's always four or five under. You know, because because it's a you know you're both you have to like we played well enough. I said Tim and I all we all of us make some bogeys. The guys we were yeah. playing with all similar ability. Their team again, both of them played nicely. Like I in my group yesterday, I don't think anyone shot, not maybe one guy, but most of us were around 74, 5 or 6. Yeah. And and the guys that won, they probably were a little lower. They just didn't make bogeys at the same time. It's like, the ultimate ham and egg event. Exactly. And it really isn't. And the thing is we were good enough to shoot five under if we had just not made the bogeys that we did when we made them. Like if we, it's okay to make bogeys, as you know, you can't make a mistake. Uh, okay, so uh, that's the end of my GAO season. Uh, as I've mentioned several times during this broadcast, your uh, your partner is the well. I will be even better probably, but I was the twenty seventh ranked senior in Ontario. When it's over, I'll end up definitely in the top twenty five or so because. Because making the cut at the event I made the cut at a couple weeks ago will guarantee me another 
you know, chunk of points yeah. that will keep me or improve my position. So there's that. Uh, as I left Brampton yesterday, I turned onto the roadway and I said to myself, literally out loud, well, it's time to rebuild your golf swing again. <laughs> <laughs> and no, I said, no, the 2020 season starts today. There you go. And, uh, you know, I, I know I don't want to maybe get into all of it now, but there's a lot of things I was happy with and proud of. And there were lots of learning. But, you know, my handicap isn't any different. You know, this time of the year, it's always the lowest it is during the season. You know, I've had a good month or so of playing pretty good golf and pretty low scores. And so my handicap is kind of where it was at this time last fall. I'm like a 1.4 or a 1.7, one of those. So I'm around the same. Which is amazingly good. But it's not any different than it was last year. Yeah. I had better results this year. And uh, in that tournament we're talking about, uh, it was the best I've ever done. The Canadian Seniors Championship, the a best national I, championship, the best I've ever done in an event like that. The first time, and also the first time I've ever played all four days of a four-day tournament. Yeah, that's great. And all that. I want to ask that. you. I want to ask. So yeah, I'm going to say, why don't you do this? Why don't you ask me? You drive this. You you ask me some questions uh, about it, and I will tell you how it was for me. And I know you and I talked one day, which I loved. Uh. Oh, that's right. During the tournament. Yeah, okay. Well, I wanted to just see, what was was there a difference in heading into this in terms of your level of, not necessarily expectation, but the, the level of sort of excitement or, you know, kind of like the nerves? What was going on for you as you headed into this? Or was it any different than your previous experiences in in? high-level provincial national championships? And if there was a difference in your experience, what was it? I uh, I don't think I've ever headed into an event of this level where I felt more confident about how I was actually playing. Cool. And in fact, up until the moment I struck the first official blow of the tournament, I really was quite excited about the way my game was rounding into form. I was definitely heading in that direction, as I say, for about five weeks from the end of the Senior Ontario Tournament to the National Tournament is the best golf I played all summer. And so when I hit the first shot of the tournament, and I obviously was nervous and I didn't hit it very well, um, I was ve- my expectations were that I was going to play great. Uh, I expected to play well. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. There's, I didn't, I had no expectation in terms of a score. I had a goal. I want, I told you this, I wanted to make the cut, but I had no other expectations other than I felt like I was in good form. And, and I felt that there was no reason that wouldn't continue. I wasn't as excited as I might've been a few years ago. I remember when I, Returned to competitive golf at Lambton in the 2016 Mid-Am, and I shot 92 in the first round. Upon reflection, it was too much for me, and I couldn't. It was too much to reconcile, and I couldn't find any form at all. Mm-hmm. So I, when I, so, and, and it's also the golf course is one I'm very familiar with. I've been playing it a lot recently. In fact, the Thursday before the tournament, I played a pro am there with our friend Sean Casey. Shot 74, like 
Couldn't have been. It should have been 69, but it was like an easy 74. And so yeah. three days before I got to Cedar Bray for the tournament, I felt great. In the practice round, I hit it great. Played with some really good players and, and played well and it had a great day and took lots of great notes. And uh, once this tournament started, though, that all went out the window. What went out the window? My uh, form completely went out the window. Uh, oh, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. You uh, were you struggled with your ball strike all day, all week long. Never hit it good. I mean, at times I did, but I got worse as the week wore on. And and there's some things I'm going to tell you now that you don't know that you're going to su- be surprised by. There might be a surprise for you. It might be, or maybe I won't be surprised. We'll have to wait and see. All right. So. I haven't been feeling great the last month or so. Maybe oh. maybe even as much as a couple of months, but the last month or so I haven't been feeling very well. And I thought a few weeks ago, I thought I was coming down with the flu. Mm. And then it went away. And but I was I've been having some uh issues with my abdominal area, some I didn't know what it was, but I, about a week, the week before the tournament, in fact, no, sorry, the Saturday before the tournament started, I was with my lady friend, Rachel, and I just wasn't feeling well. In fact, I thought I had the flu, and I was like, oh, great, you know, this tournament's about to start, I'm going to be uh. sick. And even up until the Monday, when I started to feel a little bit better, I still wasn't feeling 100%. And again, this isn't an excuse, it's just an explanation. So by Thursday or Friday of the tournament week, I kind of lost some energy and not feeling great. When the tournament was over Friday, I had something to eat, and I went home, and I got really sick. Oh. And uh, and then this, this long story, much shorter, if I just tell you, by Saturday, I was in the hospital. Uh, I went to the hospital Saturday night. This is just oh. last weekend. And I went to emergency because I, I really wasn't well. And I thought, I wasn't sure what it was because I'd gone to my doctor, and he said, well, it might, might be your gallbladder. And it was just that kind of weird pain i go to emergency i'm there all night come back the next day they do an ultrasound it's not my gallbladder the next day i had to go to a cardiologist because they thought maybe it was my heart it's not my heart and tomorrow i'm having a um a scope in my stomach because they're not sure what is going on like it might be an ulcer it could be gastro and whatever Mm -hmm. so this is by way of saying the last couple of for most of the week uh, listen i'm not blaming my shitty ball striking on this but my focus kind of waned a little bit at times just at times yeah. and and uh, and depending on how my stomach or belly felt i don't know whether i was like subtly distracted but i hit a lot of uncharacteristic shots even and i know what it's like being nervous in a big tournament so i'm not saying that explains my scores that just explains looking back on it i was starting to get tired and now playing i also played five days in a row oh, exactly. <laughs> which is a lot yeah, for yeah. me well, I think that's wow. So I am surprised. Sorry to hear that. I yeah. hope that uh, as you, uh, I hope you get some closer to the answers. It's always uh, a bit, it's always concerning when we don't know. It's a bit of a mystery. So yes, uh, yes, it is a mystery. On that, and keep me uh, keep me informed. Okay, I will. And I kind of wish you'd reached out to me while this was happening. And let me know. Well, I, it's all—it's all, it's so all been happening. You some shit here, but no. Um, but it's, I'm not. I'm, I'm, there's nothing to reach out. I mean, I. Uh, no, no, no. I think it's important to keep your friends. Well, I'm telling you aware now. Aware <laughs> of what's going on with you it, it, physically, because it affects you mentally too. Um, but here's the point. I, I think that's cool for our, our good listeners is to understand. That's a very interesting point you make. Is that we can talk? You know, you and I focus on the mental game. Yeah. But it's. But unless we are feeling good in our bodies, 
we have sufficient energy and you know we talk about being properly hydrated having the right foods at the right times and stuff wow this game is gets harder when you are don't have the, as much mental energy because it takes a ton of energy and the thing that people do not get about things that's why you know you have like this could sound kind of weird but you have like people who make their hand their 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 living you know doing stuff physically think a lot they can it's not uncommon to think that people who you know white collar workers well you all you do is sit at a desk all day well you know what when you're using your energy your your mind it takes a ton of energy your or, your brain is your biggest organ in your body and it drives so if you don't have the physical resources to properly power your brain mm-hmm. it's hard to maintain your focus and that's like um you know what's what's the best way to 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 stay smart or or sharpen your iq get fit yeah because the more oxygen and blood you have going to your brain the better you're going to be so yeah you're going to str- so you're going to struggle when you're not feeling well. Well, so, and I can tell you that I didn't, it didn't really put two and two together until, you know, I'm sitting in emergency on Saturday night. I'm like, you know, because I, I really didn't have access very much through those four rounds, right. even on the range. I really couldn't quite find it, which was weird because I haven't been had, I, I tell you, I, I, I smugly felt and I, you know, golf just continually reminds us that you never own smug. it. Yeah, don't get <laughs> smug. You never own it. You nope. just rent it for a while. Because I can tell you, in August, I played some of the best golf I've played ever. Yeah. But but not just ever. But every time I went to the golf course, I was making. I was just. I, it was just an assumption that I was going to play well. I felt like that. <clears throat> And I just, I didn't have any illusions about, was I going to win this golf tournament? I just had some, I just felt like I'm in a good place. Let me tell you about the, just quickly, the guys that won this golf tournament, the top three or four players in this golf tournament, uh, all played tour, tour golf. You know, the, the guy wow, that won yeah. it was it's a... Not uncommon, uh, is it? Well, the guy that won it, Ashley Chinner, Lars Melander, Gene Elliott is the guy that won it. At one point, he was nine under. You know, I don't have nine under through two rounds in me. I just don't. And you know what? Sorry, I may never get there. But, I mean, I could be – I have. I could shoot under par one round. And, I, and I, I thought about it after. If I had just played the way I'd been playing and shot 73, 4, and 5 every day, I would have been in the top 20, which is kind of where I thought if I did yeah. play my normal game or my good game or when I – my ability would put me in that spot. I finished um, – well, I'll tell you, I finished 67th out of 70 guys that made the cut. A couple guys quit. One guy shot 86 in the third round, never showed up again. Um, but, and I wasn't disappointed. I was only, I wasn't, I was proud of the way I held held myself together. I was a little disappointed in the fact that I couldn't hit the ball. But as I sat, sat there in emergency, I thought, you know, there was some underlying feeling of not being physically there you know and a little bit absolutely like even as i'm sitting here talking to you i'm a little uncomfortable i woke up this morning and you know i'm i feel okay obviously i'm not laying down but i'm just there's you can just tell i just know there's something awry yeah exactly well what yeah give me post it all right well i will um so i would tell you about ask me because i've got some i have some great i have I have a couple things I haven't told you that are just fucking insane. 
insane that I have that happened to me in this in this in this arena because things happen in tournaments. You you experienced it. You shot. You made an eleven. Exactly. You, I could give you a five iron on that hole. You would and, and say only play it with a five iron. You wouldn't make eleven. No, no. But I, I, here, here's what I want to. So I want to hear these amazing stories. Yeah, but yeah, I need to ask on. you. Ask me anything. In terms of so yeah, so you weren't able because of you weren't feeling well. You weren't able to completely you know access your body and your full potential as you'd hope. Yes. As as our listeners are no doubt aware. Through this year, you've been really seeming, you've been working towards and achieving another level of being kind of okay with Howard, no matter what happens, <laughs> oh, yeah. playing with a better sense of equanimity, <laughs> yeah, all that type of stuff, uh, things like acceptance and detaching from your identity and all those really good things. So what I'm interested in, um, as and you you were doing a lot of preparation. You talked with Fred Shoemaker a couple of times with yep. Ed. You were doing your homework and getting prepared for this event. In terms of those types of things, how did how were you responding to the uh, the chaos of the tournament and all of that? First hole of the tournament. It's seven forty six in the morning. The tenth. We're on the tenth tee. And I played by the way with two wonderful people. One from Virginia. That's the other thing about these tournaments. You know, you play at your club championship. All your buddies are there. You yeah. play at a qualifier. You play with people you don't know. You, you play in the province. You know a few people. But you go to this thing, and it's just people from all over Canada and the States. The guy I played with, uh, his name was Alan Barber. He played on the mini tours with Azinger and this guy. I mean, there's they, they, some pretty interesting stories. And the I other guy that. in my group was the former uh, senior uh, open winner of Saskatchewan. So it's not like there's nobody that isn't any good. I, and I was like, this is great. And I'll tell you another thing. I've because, And I know we joke about my ranking. But I've never been um, uh, playing. I never got to play with guys at this level. Because I'll tell you, the other things I've qualified for, I play with guys at the schmo level. I mean it. But yeah. I, I'm telling you, because of how I finished in Ontario, I got I got a better group than I've ever gotten. Oh, hang on hey, a second. Dan. Good morning. Oh, I, somebody's here. It's uh, probably Sean. Anyway, he's going to come through the door in a second. Stan! Stan, hurry podcast. up. You love doing podcasts. Hurry up, Sean. Anyway, quickly turn you know off what? the alarm. In the middle of a podcast. That's fine. It's a podcast. No one says, gives a shit. Have you cleaned the kitchen yet? Yeah. Anyway, it's a podcast. No one cares. Um, so first hole, right into the sun. Uh, first, and, and we, it's, so, it's so sunny, no one can see anybody. We have all the people, all the officials, all that stuff. And I got to tell you, when they announce your name, it's pretty exciting. But again, yeah. even that didn't freak me out. I'm like, I've done this before. I've played this hole, and I know this. I know what this feels like. In fact, you'd be proud of me. I got over the ball, didn't feel right in front of all these people, and stepped away and went, well, we're going to start again. And Love I did it. that. I started all over again. Literally Love everything it. went up, did my practice swings, all that. And I, and I thought, okay, that's good. And then I hit it. And I and I thought I hit it well. I actually, you know that 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 moment, that instant feeling of I've hit mm -hmm. that well, but yep. nobody can see the ball, nobody. So we go out and there's two balls in the fairway. We all hit around the same club hybrids or whatever it was, 220 yards. We see their balls, but the you know the what do they call the spotters? Spotter. They don't know where my ball is. And I'm like, oh, here I am, the very first shot of this tournament. I'm going to have to go back to that tee and hit uh -huh. another one. 
But I'm like, okay, I'm starting to get mentally prepared for that. When yep. one of the players drives about 40 yards back and sees my ball, had I had hit a tree on the right ah. and dropped straight down, but no one had seen it. So I'm like, hey, thanks for that. But now I'm like 195 yards from the green. I can still hit the green, but I'm, you know, I'm just trying to hit it up somewhere near the green. And I fat it. I hit it about 120 yards. Okay, and now I've hit two shots, and I'm, I'm 60 yards from the green. But this is to your question about responding and reacting. So again, I'm well. Here I am. The Canadian tournament. I'm literally been in. The, I've been. I've. Te- I've been. I'm playing for seven minutes, and I get over my shot. It's about 45 or 50 yards from the green. I thought I picked a spot on the green. I'm like, I'm going to hit it there. If I hit it 10 or 15 feet, great. But I want to keep it below the hole. And don't you know, it goes in. Yeah, I dunk it. And I tell you, that freaked me out more than almost losing my fucking ball. I can't tell you. Like you, you want to talk? You want to talk about your uh, your body starting to go? I'm yeah, like, exactly. These rate. guys are all high fiving me, and I'm like, what the hell just happened? That never happens to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's beautiful! Like I didn't know what to do because I'm like first hole. I usually make a bogey, you know. If I yeah, did, yeah, if yeah. anything, now you mean the tournament? Wait, so I then I go par. I go birdie, par par. I birdie the fourth hole. Hit a good shot in about four feet, and then I get finished that round, and I've got half a dozen friends of mine screen capping me leading the tournament because. <laughs> <laughs> one, so I'm I'm two under through four, and I'm the leader uh, of the Canadian senior amateur. So that was kind of a cool moment. Oh, that's fun. So I shot seventy six in the first round. Uh, the two other guys in my group also shot seventy six and seventy four, and uh, I felt good. You know, I didn't I didn't hit it great, but I didn't hit yeah, it. Yeah, you're bad. saying I think your ball striking wasn't that great, but you're getting up and down. It was good. Everywhere. It was good. Yeah. Ball striking was medium that day. Good enough mm. that I, my only mistakes were bogeys. I never had any doubles. I never had any. I was never in danger of making any worse than a bogey. Right. So I was pretty confident. <laughs> so uh, if you can, uh, if you want to pop in, I'm going to tell you one. This is there's yeah. two more things, and then you can. So on the second oh, this is great. day, I don't have to take a cart for this ride. Do no, I? this is a good one though. So the next day, <laughs> we start on one, and uh, I can. And again, I'm not feeling great, but I'm hitting it okay. And uh, on the first nine holes of the second round, when I'm, I know the cut is there, and I know that I'm well within it. You know, and it's hard not to think about it. But I, I, I acknowledge that my brain went there a few times and went, okay, that's fine, but that's it's not totally normal. It's not. It's not going to help me now. Right. And uh, we tee off, and we all hit good drives. And for reasons that I can't explain, I make a triple bogey on the first hole from 124 yards from the green. And then the next hole is a par three, so I go triple bogey seven, hit my tee shot on the par three to eight feet, and make a two. I play the next seven holes, two under par. And now I come to the ninth hole at Cedar Bray, which is 295 yards, where basically it's just like tee off with a five iron or six iron, then hit a wedge onto the green. It's a 90-degree dogleg. And at that point, I leave the eighth green, and I'm like, this is, and this is where I fucked up. I went, oh, man, this is cool. I started off with a triple, but I'm only one over par. That's what I said. Aren't I good? Aren't I good? Aren't I something special? I got it all together. I figured this shit out. Yeah, I've mastered this unmasterable game. So I uh, hit my five iron. Now there's a water hazard 
to the left of you, and there's trees to the right. But I'm hitting a five iron. I hit my five iron. I would have been better off hitting it in the water because I could have dropped, made a one-stroke penalty, got on the green and made bogey. But I block it, hits a cart path, and it goes in the trees, and I make a quadruple bogey eight. The, the dreaded cart path bounce. So I start with this triple seven on the one, make a quad nine, quad eight on the nine, and I still shoot 40 on the front nine. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, here we go. This is the last part of this story. Play 10, 11. I'm in the fairway on the 12th hole. We're waiting for the group ahead of us. We're all just kind of chilling out. You know, I've just, just played... What I think is a great nine holes. You know, I was seven over on two holes, and I'm two under for the rest. And uh, I'm sitting there, and I do this thing uh, just to keep my uh, arms kind of loose. I just twirl my club. You know, you sort of, but like, over and under, right? I'm just sitting there looking. I'm 162 yards from the green. I'm waiting to hit my seven iron. Nice little cut in there, no problem. Twirl away, I say. Twirl away. And then I twirl, and I'm not noticing, and my club hits the ball about 15 yards in front of me. And I just go, I kind of go like this. I'm like, inside my brain, I make this noise. I do. I go. And I look at the guy who used to play tour golf, and he's looking at me. He's got his hands up like this, like, what the fuck did you just do? And I go, what do I do now? He goes, well, you got to put it back where it was. And yes, blah, blah, exactly. Blah. Yeah, because it was unintentional. Yes, but, Tim. Yes, but? We, we, <laughs> none, none of us are sure what do, I, what do I do. So there's rules officials everywhere, but just not on this hole. So on your, on your card, it says, if you have a question, you can call this number. So I call golf can, the, you know, the Golf Canada guy on site. He says, blah, blah, blah. Did you, did you get the ball? Did you put it back? I go, yeah. He goes, one stroke penalty. Really? Yeah. Because if you, on the tee or on the green, if, if your ball moves, uh, you didn't cause it to move, or you did or didn't, it doesn't matter. You can put it back. But on the fairway, you can put it back with a one-stroke penalty. And the reason yeah. you think about this, because if you, let's say, inadvertently hit your ball or, you know, kicked it or whatever, if you didn't like your lie, you could just do that and go, oh, sorry. Oh, Yeah. So after all that chaos, now I'm, now I'm like, okay, let's play the hole, and I make a bogey with a par, all right. and then I go all the way around, and I come in, and I shoot eighty, and uh, I'm sitting there watching the cut, and I'm outside the cut line, but I'm getting closer and closer. I'm thinking, if I miss this cut by one, <laughs> after Ooh. after all I've gone through, because I twirl bombed my f- ball. <laughs> I said, I don't know if I can. I said, I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> oh my god, the chaos of tournament golf. Never done that before in my life. Never have I ever done that. And then I've when never I, done it either. But my god, it's hilarious. So that's the story of the Canadian seniors. I played the next two days with a great guy from Calgary, also named Howard. And it made the, uh, every time we had to report a score, it made the people very happy that it was like, oh, it's the two Howards, you know? And we were the Howards, and we played together. We had a great time. He couldn't have been a nicer guy. Just a great experience. Neither of us played very well. We both shot, I think I shot 82, took another nine. You know, I'll tell you, my, my biggest takeaway from this year is, as well as I played at times... If I could have just eliminated some of those ridiculously high numbers, you know, it's like, oh yeah, it's just it, it really it's a great takeaway for me that 
it just really goes to show you it's how it's how good your bad shots are. And my bad shots in those tournaments have been very, very bad. But to tie the whole thing together, because I don't because remorse doesn't help me, recovery is more important, I tend to recover fairly well. Okay. This is this is interesting because and that's that's awesome. So just just so that I think people really grasp what you're saying, remorse would be hit a bit crappy shot, beat the living shit out of yourself, call yourself all kinds of names, um, do all those things that we do, maybe slam a club, all that. You're saying that what you're now, because of this level of enlightenment you've attained. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so <laughs> You don't go to that place anymore. No. And that, in fact, so you don't have this major investment or outpouring that what you're doing is you're, okay, how do I recover from this? Yeah. Okay, cool. You know, I had to hit that shot after talking to a guy on the phone telling me you're about to get a one-stroke penalty. I still have the same 162 yards to the green. You know, I still wanted to make the best swing I could. And I was really proud of that moment. I just, you know, I've just been told your little silly mistake there cost you a stroke. And I I remember I've tripled and quad and chaos. And and I was really proud of the swing I made. It was one of the best swings I made all day. I hit it to like 15 feet. I had a chance to save my par, which would have been a birdie for par. And I went on to play the rest of the round, you know, like, you know, I had another moment in the on the third day is the day I had the worst swing. And I start off par, bogey, double. And then on the fourth hole I played that day, I hit three balls off the tee. I hit, it's a par five, and I hit one in the, I hit one off the tee. We're never going to find it. I hit three off the tee. We heard it hit a tree and then bounce into the hazard. weren't yeah. sure where it was. Then I hit five off the tee. It hit a tree and went onto the fairway. Now, as I drove across the bridge to that to see what I was going to see, I was really thinking that I was laying five in the fairway, and I could make a million. And this mm-hmm. lovely woman, who is uh, one of our our rules officials from Ontario, who knows me, she drove across the. I didn't see her, but she drove right to see me. She said, "Howard." That second ball you hit crossed here. You don't have to go back. You're now in play here. So I got to drop. Oh, cool. So I got to penalize four, hitting five from there, and made nine. But I can tell you, on the that, that was a moment I haven't had before where on the, the next tee box, I had to say to my friend Howard from Calgary, I said, I'm just going to need a minute here because I'm, I'm really not sure what I'm going to do. I was seven over par at that point seven over par after four holes and I still had 14 holes to play and I can Mm. tell you I didn't know what to do I had to take a second to go because I my swing had left me and I was in a bit of a shock and I just thought the best thing to do is don't hit right away so he teed off this is really good he teed off and and I was whatever it was I felt enough experience to say to him you know if you don't mind I'm just going to take a minute and I thought about what kind of swing I was going to need to hit the fairway on. I mean, it's a tough, and the thing is, it's the toughest hole on the back nine. It's a 440-yard par four with trees on either side, and I even hit. I can't hit the ball at this point. But I just said, "I'll need a minute. Give me a second. And I walked away, and I thought, "Okay, what could I do? What do I need to do to get this next shot? Forget the rest of this." Part of what's freaked me out is I. I thought, man. 
I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. How am I going to get? I mean, I could. I had all these thoughts. Like I'm seven over now. I, I could shoot a hundred. I mean, I wasn't. I couldn't find the face of the club. And so I, I just pondered for a minute or two, however long it was. I took some practice swings, and I was like, okay, maybe if I just held the face open and aimed at the trees <laughs> or something. Well, you know, this, so this perfectly, this is the, um, a, a rather long way of answering my question about what's the difference between remorse and recovery. Yeah. What you're demonstrating, talking about, is how you allowed yourself to recover, and you took the action necessary to do it. That's really good. And, and this is interesting because um, a topic of conversation with a number of players I've had recently, including one of my uh, players on the, in the van on the way home from uh, St. Thomas yesterday, is like, when it starts to go sideways on you, how do you recover? And to me, it's, it's doing a lot of what you're talking about, is, is that how do we kind of recalibrate? How do we... How do we Recover. How do we kind of get the ship back on course? And it has nothing to do with, with oh yeah, I need to do something mechanically. You know, I need to do something with my technique. Sometimes it can be a little bit, but I think that it's more about how do we ground ourselves, how do we center and find something that's going to work. And, and what I'm going to throw at you is maybe what you're talking about that holding open face. I was reading uh, Golf Digest this week, and there's a new editor. I forget. Who, who it is but they're asking him what's your go-to shot and he says that you know he, he doesn't really have a stinger or anything like this and this guy's a plus handicap he says that when he really loses it he aims right and pulls it and i went well that's cool yeah because because most any you know if you're a player of you know you've played a lot you know pulling a shot isn't that hard no, we you all know? do it. Yeah, you just spin your hips open, and then you can do it. Yeah, um, and you, or you can just come over the top with your arms or something. And so you can kind of know where it's going. And no, I thought, that's interesting. So but, is that kind of what you're talking my, about? Yes and no. But, but, but whether I, what, what the, the important thing for me, and I don't know other people listening, when you're playing and it starts to go sideways, what I used to do and what most people do is I would have rushed to the tee and right. hit it quickly to try and start to make up for the fact I just made a nine. But what I did is the opposite. I, I, I sort of announced to my playing partner that I was going to take a second here. There's no one behind us, and there was no one in front of us. And I could, I don't know how long I waited, but I, I went to hit it once or twice. I went, no, I'm going to, I literally did that. Before I did the, I went to hit, like it was my turn. Obviously, I was going second. Um, and then I stopped because I'm like, I'm not ready to hit this. And I, I muddled something out about 235, bunted down the right-hand side. I hit a long, I had a long second shot to the green. I hit some trees right in front of the green, but it, it hit the ball and it came straight down. And I had a pretty simple chip, and I made a par. Nice. So, and then for some reason, that settled me down enough. The next hole was quite easy. I didn't, could hit an iron off the tee. Anyway, long story short, I shot 44 on the front nine, which was eight over par. And I was seven over after four holes, so I played okay for the next five holes. And then I shot 38 on the back nine, and I shot 82. Now, 82 wasn't a very good score relative to the field that day of former professionals and some very good players. But I went home that day thinking, wow, that was pretty good. You know, Absolutely. That was so, pretty good because at one point I thought any numbers in play. Mm-hmm. Well, how do, I, I talk about commitment a lot in my coaching and on this podcast. 
Had you, how, when I throw out that word commitment, how does that land for you in terms of what you were doing, in terms of recovering yourself and getting yourself not hitting a shot till you were ready? Well, those are the commitments of, you know, being a professional amateur. Like, I don't, I conduct myself, like, I can't tell you how horribly I hit it, but I knew, I knew one thing. I always show up the same. Like, yesterday, I, I know that when we start that tournament round, no matter what happens, I'll be fine. There's nothing. I've had every shitty, weird thing now that can happen to you in a golf tournament and still went home and, you know, was fine. So and more I, weird things are going to happen to uh, you. Absolutely, they will. Like that fact that I, I jarred my third shot of the tournament. Like, I've never done that before. And you twirled a club. Twirled and a club, ball, hit a ball. Which, I, which is crazy. You know? But that's the that's the that's the uh, the chaos of tournament golf. Isn't it's the it? chaos of golf. Period. You know, like the thing yeah, is, exactly. you know, yesterday I was playing kind of nicely. I had a couple long, you know, putts go in, and then I had a three and a half foot putt that I missed. And I thought about, it, I'm like, yeah, sometimes you miss three. You know, I, I misread it. I hit the hole. It just, yeah. you know, I I thought it was a left edge. It was a right edge. So I started on the right edge, and it hits the hole and misses. And I'm like. Where a couple of years ago, I would have gone, oh, again, three and a half. But I'm like, yeah. I also sank a, on the second hole, I sank an 18-footer, really tough putt that went in. I was like, that was cool. So it's the same, the, the thing about, and, and this is, this is a, not sure if this is a Fred thing or a golf from point A thing, but every shot has the same value. Right. Yeah. There's absolutely. no different. You know, they all have the same value. So... And it's not any different when you... Because we tend to forget when we get those good breaks where the ball lips in or it hits something and it goes in. So when I miss that three-and-a-half-footer now, I go, yeah, sometimes that happens. You know? Well, I think that... What, yeah, that's cool. And I think what's what I'm hearing from you is stuff that we've been talking about for a few years. In the same way we talked about our good friend Charles Fitzsimmons. You know, he brought his game up to a new level. What happened? I've been working for two years. Or more. Detachment acceptance. So now it's part of who he is on the golf course. So he's unconsciously competent now at those things. You now are getting this. It's part of who you are on the golf course now is that it comes up to you that I need to take my time or perhaps like and recover and get grounded. But I think we're, I may not have it exactly, but it doesn't matter. Is that, but this way of being for you is now. This is now part of your DNA on the golf course, and it never used to be. No. So now you're able to to remain grounded instead of going into the spiral vortex of death of the thoughts and all that stuff. And that's where we start to turn the ship around in golf and our lives is when this stuff we've kept in front of us about this new way that we want to be, and we've seen it, and we're getting our reps in. And then we start to start to do it and we start to get the benefit from it. So it's kind of it's very, very cool to see how because like in the three plus years we've been doing this podcast, this is the type of stuff we talk about. Yeah. And my results of, you know, like Charles, though, happens and how do you respond? My results of responding in a way that's really good. My results have gotten better and better every year. Not because I'm, you know, like I said, I'm the exact same handicap and I have periods of time when I'm you know, hitting it great, and sometimes I'm not. But I also can, you know, score my ball. The last, you know, I typically hit 
The previous men's night to the tournament, I think I talked about it. I played with Charles and Gortner and my buddy Southcott, and I made four birdies and an eagle. I had five skins on the night at men's night. It was beautiful. And uh, then the next week I played this tournament. I don't know if I had four birdies all week. The point, though, but the point is, you know, I'll typically hit 10, 11, 12, or 13 greens in a round of golf. On the last round of the Canadian Senior Amateur, I hit five and shot 80 or 81 because... I just keep going. I'm like, okay, well, that's that ball's over there now. How do I get it over here? And how do I yeah. get it in the hole? And I can't tell you how many times I got up and down for pars and bogeys and even doubles. And I never used to. If I had to get up and down for a double, I guarantee you I wouldn't. I never, I could, I because ne- I never understood. The last thing I'll tell you, I never understood the value of 81 is better than 82. And secondly, I never understood the value existentially, if I may say, to continuing to try. Because everyone listening, you and me included, have given up on the golf course. And I and I used to that used to be my MO. And I remember going home after days I would give up and I felt so shitty about myself. But I promise you, no part of me I showed up every day at that tournament and I was the I was in such a great, even though I was sick, I was in such a great mood to be there of gratitude and like, God damn it, I'm here. And after yep. I made the cut, boy, like I was ecstatic. But even though my numbers weren't what I thought they could be, every number I have on that scorecard is the best it could be that in that moment. And I knew that. And so that's, that was a huge win for me. I think that, yeah, well, is that a different way of saying that you did your best all the way through? You know, do I, I guess where it's, it's semantics, but doing your well, you best. You didn't give up if you didn't give. Yeah, if you didn't trying. Give up, you're not tr- doing your best. Yeah, trying. Trying is what I'm talking about. Because yeah, I guess trying and doing your best are the same thing. But it's in the activity of of being present, even when you're trying to make a putt for eight, which I have had now several times this summer in tournament golf, where I lipped out the putt for eight. But I was really trying hard to get eight because it's better than nine. Absolutely. Absolutely. And All that, right. Well, I think a lot of it has, you know, like, you, you know, you got your, you got Rachel, you got your girls, you got your, the things you do. It doesn't, what we do on the golf course, really, how much of a bearing does it really have on all that stuff that's like way more important? Is that stuff more important? Is that really? Or is that just what we say? <laughs> uh-huh. All right, O'Connor, I got to go get my... leave the podcast. Yeah, that's I... kind of like uh, Hardy Boys mystery at the, yeah, at the right. very end of the chapter. They throw that out and then they end the chapter. I have this theory about human beings that we're all secret sociopaths who are just doing our impressions of what we think human beings are supposed to be like. Wow. What do you think of that? Is that going to be the... Is that going to be the theme of your Netflix special? Well, no, my Netflix special is called Old, Woke, Period. <laughs> Old, comma, woke. Period. Old, woke. Old and woke. Oh, there's a lot there. Oh, yeah. Um, listen, I appreciate your counsel. <clears throat> I, uh, we thanked uh, TaylorMade, Adidas, Bushnell. <clears throat> That's all I have to say about golf right now. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, continuing this uh, broadcast for the winter. You know, or as long as I'm around, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> As long as I'm here, golf spiritual leader. For a lot longer. 
So let me know what happens with the uh, the gastrointestinal investigation. I will. All I right. had a scope go down. I mean, did they put you under for that? Uh, they sedate you um, with uh, Valium, which I love, and then they freeze your throat, and it's the whole thing lasts a few minutes. It's not that big a deal. Oh, you've done this before. No, I've just researched it. Oh, I've done okay. Well, all the best. Keep me posted. All right, brother, man. All good. All right. You're nice. Tim O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca. <laughs> HumbleandFredRadio.com. And uh, here's standby. We'll just, I'll, I'll just finish up here when we're done. Goodbye, everybody. Time.